Hey, good morning, Genie Faith Center. This is Pastor Cooper. We are currently in our series, Pro Tips for Living Well, a study in the book of Proverbs. And we thought, let's do some real life hashtag pro tips that we have discovered, things that we think will just really make life a little bit easier. Let's take a look. Need to hide the emotion of your NFL team either winning or losing on a Sunday during church? Pro tip. If they're winning and out of nowhere you're like, yes! Just say, God is good! And people will be like, amen, amen. If they're losing and you're sad and you're crying, just let it all out and say there is a movement of God's Spirit upon you. People will get it, they'll understand, and you are good to go. Feeling like you want to still show your strength to others, like you can just dominate people? Pro tip. Sign up to be a youth ministry volunteer, play the game with the little tiny kids, and just rock their world. Need to wash your 49ers jersey? Here's a step-by-step -step pro tip. Step one, take your jersey, put it in the garbage. Step two, buy a Seahawks jersey. Complete pro tip. Thank you for watching another episode of Pro Tips with Pastor Cooper. This is the part of the service where you will now actually get some actual pro tips from the Bible. Thank you. Well, let me ask you a question. If God gave you one wish, what would you wish for? You only get one, not three. He's not a genie. He's God. If God gave you one wish, what would you wish for? And here's, what int here's what's interesting this morning is as I launch our series in the book of Proverbs. Solomon got that chance. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, I'll give you one wish. And Solomon wished to be wise. That was his wish. He didn't wish for wealth. He didn't wish for his football team to win. He didn't wish for any. He wished for wisdom. And here's what's great. As a result of God making him the smartest person that's ever lived on the planet from his time till the end of time, leaving Jesus out of it. Amen. amen. We have the book of Proverbs, the book that you and I are reading every single day, a chapter a day through the entire month of October. That is the result of the wisdom of God in his life. Now, I don't know if you've noticed what I've noticed, but we live in a world where we can access information faster than we ever have before. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, I think it's kind of cool that this device that I have in my hand can access information as fast as I want it to. That's pretty awesome. But has you, have you also noticed that even though I can access information very fast, our culture is severely lacking in wisdom? Like common sense seems to be gone. I can access information, but I can't figure out how to live life right. This is the dichotomy that you and I are in. And this is why Proverbs is so important. You see, it's really easy. You and I can simply say, Siri, who was the king of France in 1703? And Siri will pop up and say, Louis XV. You can say, Siri, who won the World Series in 1953? And he will say... The Yankees, again. You can say, Alexa, 
How many miles is it to the moon? And Alexa will tell you it's 238,855. You can say, Alexa, who's won more Super Bowls? The 49ers or the Seahawks? And Alexa will tell you, it's easily the 49ers. They've won four and the Seahawks have only won one. See, we can access information like never before, but we're a culture that is severely lacking in wisdom. How can we see that? Well, simple. Our prisons are full and we need to build bigger ones to put more people in them. That is a wisdom problem. Our nation is trillions of dollars in debt and so are most American families. We've experienced far too many school shootings. Our wisdom says this. I've got some great ideas. Let's legalize drugs. That'll help. While the police force and the medical community and the fire department are all going, no, that'd be the worst thing ever. We say, no, that'd be wise. Let's do that. Over and over again, we have all these things in our culture that we think are wise and they're really not. We think we know what we're doing, but in the end, it's leading to death. Now Solomon does a great job of helping us understand why we need the wisdom of God. In fact, over and over again, one of the main themes you will hear from Solomon and, and that you and I can take in to understand the reason that we lack wisdom is because wisdom comes from God. Solomon will say that over and over again. And, and as a culture, if we've denied God and denied his influence in our life and denied his very existence, then where are we going to find wisdom? How are we going to attain it as a culture? We won't find it anywhere else but in relationship with God. See, Solomon said this in Proverbs 9.10, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. The starting point of wisdom is understanding who God is. And if you've denied who he is, then you can't get wisdom. It eludes you. It evades your mind and your thought and your life. And so the book of Proverbs is so important for us today because we need these pro tips that Solomon gives us to help us live well. Now, here's what's interesting. I don't know if you've noticed this already as you've read through several chapters. It is amazing how a book that is almost 1,500 years old can be applicable to today. How can that happen? The wisdom of God, that's how it happens. And that's why, as you and I read, we get to see what Solomon is seeing. Now, there's something very, uh, just kind of awesome about the book of Proverbs that I love. One of the things that Proverbs gives us is experience and theology rolled into one. So Solomon is looking into the lives of his countrymen. He's looking out into the public and he's noticing that there are constants in life. And he describes these constants around two major themes, wisdom and foolishness. 
that you're either a wise person and living in a wise way, or you're a foolish person and you're living in a foolish way. Now Solomon sees this primarily through two lenses, the lens of experience and the lens of theology or God's word. So he's looking out in life and he's seeing how people are living and he's experiencing them himself, but he's watching how people experience life and he's, and he's saying, boy, those people that live in God's commands and live in a wise way, they kind of get a certain outcome. And people that live foolishly and are not obeying God's commands, they end up with a different outcome. And that's what we see in the book of Proverbs. Now, here's what's interesting. Wisdom is tried and true. Wisdom is tried and true because it's based on God's word. It's based on God's truth. It's based on the theology of God's word. So it's tried and true. But guess what? So is foolishness. Foolishness is tried and true because over and over and over and over again, people that make foolish decisions end up in compromising situations. Both are tried and true. You can live in the wisdom of God and it'll affect your life for a certain outcome or you can live in the foolishness of the world and your life will end up with a different outcome. Both of them are tried and true and Solomon points that out to us over and over and over again. That's basically the book of Proverbs. Now you'll notice as you read chapter after chapter that each verse or stanza is almost like a standalone little nugget of wisdom. And there could be 25 verses in the chapter and there'll be 25 different topics. So as we read through these seven chapters, sometimes it can be difficult to figure out what should we talk about? Well, the good thing is Solomon has a bunch of repeated topics and themes. And if you look through all of the chapters, you can see all of these major themes that Solomon keeps coming back to and keeps talking about and keeps hitting on. You might say they're Solomon's soapboxes. And so we're going to look at those soapboxes of Solomon's, those major themes that he talks about that I would say these themes are his pro tips. These are his pro tips for living well. And I want us to look at three of them this morning. The first pro tip that Solomon gives us in chapters 7 through 13 is the importance of your heart or the importance of our heart and guarding it well. Look at chapter 7, verse 3. He said, treasure my instructions and cherish them within your heart. See, our heart is an important place. We often use this illustration like Solomon is, this illustration of putting important things in your heart. We do that because physically we know that without our heart, we're nothing. Our heart is what gives us life. Our heart is the most important organ in our body because it sends blood to all the other organs, all the other pieces of our body, our brain, all of those things without our heart, we simply pass away. So we say things like, put the important things in your heart. And we do. We put our relationships in our heart and the most important things in our heart. Some of you have the Seahawks in your heart and you just need a life change. But um, 
we're working on some things, right? Some things are foolish and some things are wise and you're just working on all of it right now. Solomon says, the wisdom of God is so important that we should put it in our heart. That's where it should be. It shouldn't just be in your thoughts. It shouldn't be some random thing that you just grab a hold of throughout the day. No, the word of God, the wisdom of God should be in your heart. It should be one of the most important things in your heart, in your life, and you should guard it well. It's similar to a medieval castle. Think with me just for a moment how your heart is like a castle. In medieval times, the castle was the center of the kingdom, like your heart is the center of your life. It was the most important place in the kingdom, like your heart is the most important thing in your life. The castle protected the most important things and the most important people in the kingdom. The castle was well fortified and guarded. The castle was protected by several things like a moat. The moat made sure that nothing could get close to the castle or close to the walls and destroy it. The castle had a drawbridge that would provide only one way in and one way out so that you had protection of the castle. The castle had high, thick walls that could withstand the enemy and could withstand any destruction that the enemy would throw at it. And so a castle is very similar to your heart because we need to guard our heart like a castle would guard everything inside. We need strong, godly habits in our lives that protect our heart from the evil outside. We need to be very careful that we don't let things into our heart through our drawbridges. Now the challenge and something that's a little bit different between your heart and the castle is we have many drawbridges. There's lots of ways in and out of our heart because what we look at with our eyes can end up in our heart. What you hear with your ears can end up in your heart. What you feel with your emotions can end up in your heart. And all of that is getting processed through our brain and our heart and through the wisdom of God. And we have to, at that moment, discover, am I gonna let that into my heart and be a part of my life? Or am I gonna guard my heart and say, you know what, that doesn't line up with God's word. So I'm gonna say no to that. That doesn't get to come in. So I'm gonna guard my heart that way. Our heart also needs a wall around it. Now, many times you say, well, Pastor Mark, don't we talk about tearing the walls down around our heart? We do. In this case, it's a little bit different understanding and application. In this way, we do need to guard our heart. We do need a wall around our heart. And sometimes there are good walls and sometimes there are bad walls. A good wall keeps evil out and good in. A bad wall keeps evil in and good out. We want to tear down bad walls, don't we? Because we want good to come in and we want to be healed and we want to be whole and we don't want the bad experiences of our life to rule our life. We, we need to tear down bad walls. 
But we do need good walls that are protecting our heart. Solomon also said about our heart in Proverbs 10, 8, the heart of the wise will easily accept instruction. Ooh, that's a good word, isn't it? The heart of the wise will easily accept instruction. Is that who you are? Do you easily accept instruction? Or do you think what you think is the best thing ever and nobody else knows any better than you? I know some people like that. Do you listen first or talk first? Do you want to grow? If you do, then Solomon says, you'll be wise to accept instruction. He also said in chapter 12, verse 25, anxious fear brings depression, but a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to your heart. I liked that verse because it revealed to me that our heart is designed by God to beat with joy. That our heart should be full of joy. It should beat with joy, not with depression or anxiety or anxiousness or fear. And one of the things that breaks all of that depression and anxiety and fear is an encouraging word. A life-giving word from a great friend. So fill your heart with life-giving words and encouragement. <coughs> so that was one of the major themes that I saw in Solomon chapter 7 through 13 was the importance of our heart. Another major theme I saw in Proverbs 7 through 13 that Solomon continued to talk about and come back to was this ability for you and I to listen and learn and be teachable. He comes back to it over and over again. In fact, you will see this theme through the entire book. That wise people listen. Wise people learn. And wise people are teachable. In chapter 7, verse 24, Solomon said, So listen to me, you young men. You better take my words seriously. In Proverbs 8.1, he said this, can't you hear the voice of wisdom? From the top of the mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city. At the place where pathways merge, at the entrance of every portal, there she stands, ready to impart understanding, shouting aloud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to those who will listen. And in chapter 8, verse 34, if you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen for what I'll say. There's two things that are very clear here. Wisdom is speaking and we should listen. It's very interesting that Solomon states that listening to his wisdom is serious business. And it is. Because wisdom is something that can make or break your life. Wisdom can change your life forever. And God's wisdom can set the course of your life on the right path 
It can also rescue you from the snares of the evil one as long as we are willing to listen to wisdom and take it seriously. But I was most impressed by what Proverbs 8.34 said. And that was that wisdom is available every day. I love things that are available every day, aren't you? How many of you love your Starbucks coffee? Aren't you glad that coffee stands are available every day? Aren't you glad they don't say, oh, you know what? We're only open Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Like, I need my coffee every day. I'm going to die if I don't have my coffee. No, I am not addicted. <laughs> right? Aren't you glad for things that are there every day? Uh, man, uh, at the end of the day, I want my sports center. I want it. It's there every day. And I want it to be there. And so Mr. Van Pelt and I, we're buddies. Every day. And what Solomon says is, guess what? Wisdom's available every day. The wisdom of God is available every day. I'm assuming every single one of us in this room has a Bible. If you don't, we'll give you one at the next step station. You can grab one on the way out. But probably almost every one of us has the wisdom of God available to us every day. If we choose to open it. Now, if we don't choose to open it, open it, then we're choosing not to be wise. But Solomon says this, you should embrace the wisdom of God every day. Now I've discovered based on experience why I need the wisdom of God every day. And you probably know this true. You know why I need the wisdom of God every day? Because evil doesn't take a day off. Have you noticed that? Evil doesn't take a day off. Then that must mean I need the wisdom of God every day. Because if the enemy's not taking a day off to attack me, then I'd need the wisdom of God today. Not the wisdom I had yesterday. Not the wisdom I'm going to get tomorrow. I need wisdom today. I need a fresh word of God for today to help me honor God with what I have going on for the rest of my day. Solomon also said that we need to learn, that we need to be teachable. And in chapter 12, verse 1, he said, to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. Or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. And in verse 15, he said, a fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. See, wise people want to learn. Wise people want to be teachable. Now, I've got some great news for you about being wise and learning and teachable. We could not live in a better place or in a better country to be wise. We have more Christian books, more Christian radio stations, more Christian songs, more Christian artists than anywhere in the world. You and I can access several. There's, there's five or six Christian radio stations on the FM dial. There's more on the AM dial. There's tons of information for you and I to access about God, about who he is, and about what he's doing in our life. <coughs> and so, if you and I are going to be wise, then we need to embrace the wisdom, the learning, 
and the ability to be teachable that you and I can have. Now, not only do we have amazing Christian material in the United States, there's all kinds of wisdom. I mean, we can grow in engineering, in education, we can grow in physics, in science, in math, in every single field we can grow in because we have it all at our fingertips in the United States. It's all available for us to learn and grow in. So you and I live in a great place. Now here's what I find interesting though about the United States. Because of our wealth, we have all of that wisdom that we can grow from, that we can learn from, and that we can be teachable with. But guess what else is interesting? Because of our great wealth, we can also be quite ignorant and live a pretty good life. <laughs> have you noticed that? And we've got both dichotomies happening in the United States. We've got all of the education that we want at our fingertips, but because of our wealth, we can also do nothing and live a pretty good life. The wisdom of Solomon would say this, don't choose to be ignorant and live a pretty good life. Choose to be wise and grow and learn and be teachable. Now, by the way, let me just say this. There are very few places in the world where you can be ignorant and live a good life. The United States just happens to be one of about three. The rest of the world, if you're ignorant and a fool, you're poor and you are barely existing. That's what Solomon says and that's what experience tells us from around the world. So don't be like that. <clears throat> Solomon is serious about listening, about learning, and about being teachable. The last thing I'd like us to look at is a little bit different. It's a warning. Now, what you'll notice in the book of Proverbs is there are moments where Solomon talks about a good, wise thing to do, but then there are other moments where Solomon will give a very stern and very serious warning about a specific subject. You'll notice as you read through the book of Proverbs that there is one subject that Solomon spends a lot of time on that he says is a big warning. It's a big no-no and you need to watch out for this. It's the warning against easy sex. Now here's what's interesting. Easy sex covers two entire chapters. Chapter five, chapter seven. No other subject matter in the entire book of Proverbs is covered with that extensive of an amount of information. No other subject matter does he spend an entire chapter on. Only this warning about easy sex. Now I think this is extremely applicable to us today because we also live in a day where easy sex is celebrated and encouraged. And Solomon is, remember, he's looking and processing life through experience and theology. Now he knows his theology. He knows that God has commanded purity with our sexual lives and that we're not supposed to have sex until we're married and that when we are married, we're supposed to save sex for only our partner, our spouse. And so Solomon knows his theology. 
But what he's experiencing in his culture is totally different. He's experiencing easy sex everywhere in his culture. And don't forget, Solomon has a very personal story about easy sex. We love to talk about David, don't we? His father. But David had one flaw, didn't he? His one flaw was what? Easy sex. His one flaw in his life that affected the rest of his life was David's sin with Bathsheba. As he watched her bathe, which we would call pornography today. He just did it in real life because he didn't have a tablet or a computer or a cell phone. And instead of turning away and walking the other way, he continued to watch. And he let that beautiful woman captivate his heart and his mind. And so he went after her and he took her and he slept with her. He had easy sex with her. And then he killed her husband to cover up her pregnancy. That's part of the legacy of his life. So does Solomon understand the effects of easy sex a little bit? Absolutely, that's his father's story. It's personal to him. But he also sees it in the culture everywhere around him. And while we don't have the time to read all of chapter seven, let me just show us three verses and point out some warnings that are applicable for us today. In verse nine of chapter seven, Solomon said this, there he was in the twilight as darkness fell. Convinced no one was watching as he entered the black shadows of hell. Now, let me point out two things. First of all, Solomon's description of easy sex. (laughs) He calls it the dark shadow of hell. That's not a real great description. That's what he, that's what the wisest person on the planet calls easy sex. The dark shadow of hell. Like you have to almost say that with a mean voice, right? The dark shadow of hell. (laughs) But here's what else he said that I thought was interesting. The man who got caught up in this was convinced no one was watching. Now, is that not the lie that the enemy always tells every one of us about easy sex? No one is watching. It's like the enemy's go-to with pornography. No one's watching. You can look on your phone. No one's watching. You can look on your computer. No one's home. No one's watching. It's the enemy's lie. And we can get stuck in it. The second thing he said was in verse 12. Her type can be found soliciting on street corners on just about any night. Now, here's what's interesting. I got to be thinking about that more and more, about how easy sex is soliciting itself on any street corner, any night. Thankfully, we don't have a, a lot of that in Cheney, amen? That's why it's a great little town to grow up in. But I grew up in Las Vegas, Hello. And then I got to be thinking about it a little bit more and I thought, you know what? With this little device that we hold in our hands, women aren't soliciting themselves every night anymore. It's every second. 
every second of the day, you and I can get on an inappropriate, illicit site and see inappropriate sex. Any second of the day. It's now, because of technology, our number one money maker. It's our number one sin. And guess what? It's now our number one enslaver. Because sexual slavery has now far exceeded normal slavery. Because easy sex is what we want. Lastly, verse 24 and 25, he says this. So listen to me, you young men. You better take my words seriously. Control your sexual urges and guard your hearts from lust. Don't let your passions get out of hand and don't lock your eyes onto a beautiful woman. Why would you want to even get close to temptation and seduction to have an affair with her? Now, I got to be thinking about this verse and it just was very interesting because it seems to me that our entire culture loves to lock their eyes on beautiful women. They're on every magazine, at every book stand, at every aisle at the grocery store. We sell everything, almost every product is sold by the face of a beautiful woman. And so our culture is enamored wants us to get locked onto or locked our eyes onto a beautiful woman, either to sell us something or to get us caught up in easy sex. This is happening everywhere around us. And then I got to be thinking even deeper and I thought, wait a second, this isn't just a problem for men. This is now a problem for women. Follow me for a minute, women, because everywhere around you, is this beautiful woman. And this woman is captivating. But for women, this beautiful lady can cause identity issues. Because now the enemy will tell you, you need to look just like her. You need to dress just like her. You need to do your hair just like her. You need to have the exact eyelash makeup that she has so her, your eyelashes are extended and full, just like her. Your lips need to look just like hers. Your body shape needs to be just like hers. And before you know it, the identity that is unique to you, that God created you with and gave just to you, the enemy has just stripped away from you. It's not just a man thing anymore. It's also a woman thing. And Solomon would say, women, be wise. Don't be enamored by that woman at the bookstore. Don't be enamored by that woman in that movie or on that sitcom or on the front of that magazine. You be who you are in Christ, amen? To the men, the warning is the same. Don't let that beautiful lady pull you into easy sex. Don't let you... You get manipulated and think you need or deserve something other than your wife or your future wife. Because <clears throat> that's a lie. What you need is a faithful woman of God who will be true to you in every area of your life, sexually and everything else. That's what we need as men. 
And that's what we need in relationships. But Solomon looks all around him through experience and God's word. And he gives us this great warning in chapter five and in chapter seven. Run from easy sex because it will ruin you. Would you stand with me this morning? Solomon loves for us to be wise. And sometimes you'll notice he's pretty intense about it. He's like a good coach that is just, just in there, the fight with you and just intense with you. That's who Solomon is. The words of Proverbs jump off the page because they are intense and they are in your face. But what Solomon is trying to say is people, We've got to live in the wisdom of God because there is so much foolishness around us. And so as we pray and as we go this morning, can I encourage you to live in the wisdom of God? And the great part that you and I have today, post Jesus Christ, post the cross and the resurrection, we now have the fullness of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we can access the wisdom of God in an instant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you to access what you have at your fingertips with God's word and through the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me?